Hi, I'm Sean Sunday, and this is No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. Each week, we talk about a new comic that we've both read and loved with a new guest. So sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. to No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. Joining me today is the amazing Emily Pearson. Emily, could you introduce yourself a little bit to everyone? Hi, um, my name's Emily. I'm a comic book artist in California. I work for Black Mask and Vault and Oni Press. And have done some of my favorite books, actually. I loved The Wilds. It was one of my one of the books that really got me into the idea of doing this show about indie books. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, I, I just really loved that concept of the, it was sort of, you know, the, the sort of zombie story, but with the plants and the fungus, it was just a really cool idea. I really dug it and the art was just phenomenal it was the first thing that attracted me to it was that that cover with the the person with all the pellets growing out of them which like yeah no i need to read whatever this is <laughs> thank you yeah natasha alterisi i don't know if i say her name right uh did a lot of the the very or the main covers i think for the book yeah she's yep. a fantastic uh creator cover artist yeah, and the, the, again, like I've actually been waiting for somebody to come to me with the wilds as one of their suggestions so that I could talk about it. <laughs> so hopefully one of my guests before the end of this season will do so because I've been wanting an excuse to reread it and then talk about it. <laughs> every so often, like I love all the books that people suggest, but every so often someone suggests one that is like top 10 for me and I just get really excited for that episode. And uh, this is one of them, actually. I've been really keen to talk about this book for a while, so I was really excited to see it on your list. Oh, cool. So, obviously, if anyone can see it already, um, we are talking about The Wicked and the Divine today, which is by... Uh, Kieran and Jamie both wrote it, didn't they? Let me just look this up here. No, art by Jamie, but I'm, I'm assuming that they probably did a lot of collaboration on the story as is sort of natural for these sort of big ongoing books. Um, it's a really interesting, not exactly sci-fi, but sort of fantasy supernatural story about the gods being reborn into mortal bodies every few years or so. Uh, do you want to give us a little bit of a breakdown of the story, Emily? Yeah, um, so... I'm probably gonna butcher this, but as far as as far as the book goes, it's essentially um, there's the these own this own pantheon of different gods from different different pantheons, you know, Norse or Greek or whatever it is, and um, they get reborn every two years into usually i think like a teenager young adult's body yeah, um, yeah. and then yeah and then after two years they 
they die and um while they're alive most of them become pop stars <laughs> which is super fun concept yeah that was that was a really interesting take on it like i was like okay so the gods are reborn and then i was like oh okay and they're all performers interesting well we'll see where this goes and yeah like i said they yeah i think it's sorry you go no, I just I think it's a really fun concept. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I I like how they did that instead of just you know, just worship, you know, going to a, a chapel and worshiping the gods. Their congregation is concert, is party. That was a, a really interesting yeah. take on it. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I think it's like, it's interesting because it's like I feel like you could say like a lot of worship already goes into like you know celebrity worship and like yeah um <laughs> definitely with the kind of way we already uh do that with celebrities i think the interesting thing with um like the aspect of they have potentially two years to put themselves out there and make like a legacy for themselves or whatever it is and I think I think someone put it one time that was really interesting to me where it's 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 kind of almost like being on social media some ways you know people with really big followings or that are in, in entertainment like the creators of this book are you know have this uh have this fan base or these people that they reach out to and then it's you know a lot of the time it doesn't have a huge shelf life yeah exactly like, yeah you could have i know a massive massive following that's almost cultish but it can disappear in an instant and it's not going to be there forever yeah and um yeah it's, it's really interesting how they do that with this too like you said they've got two years to make a mark and to enjoy their god powers To do whatever yeah. they choose to do with that power. I think that's really interesting because I think I'm not sure. I'm not sure about other people, but for me personally, if I was like offered like a deal <laughs> of like getting god powers and like becoming super famous for two years and then dying, like I don't think I'd really be interested in. Um, so it's like it's interesting to see the type of people that are like. Yeah. wanting to do this and wanting to have this be their lives for a couple of years right like you you have to be a certain kind of person to trade mm -hmm. fame for a long and healthy life yeah exactly and uh i found it really interesting how they started it here too with the the flashback to you know the 1920s slash 30s era of the pantheon yeah, that was really interesting. And just the, the detail in the work as well. You know, Jamie always does really cool work, but I feel like the work done on this book is just something special. Mm -hmm. It's really got its own feel and its own sort of unique vibed for the whole book 
yeah, absolutely. He's he's a wonderful artist. I think um I think the style like definitely lends itself to the book as well. I think yeah. um it's like you read books like um like Saga for instance and it yes. kind of has that same to it through the art because it's very it's very clean and easy to read yeah yeah and and that's it and saga was one of the the first major uh you know non-superhero series that i started getting into when i started making my journey away from um you know the big two and I just walked into a comic shop and found the the first hardcover of Saga, and I was like, "This looks like it's my vibe. Let's give it a go." And then, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm forty something issues deep, and they go on hiatus. Yeah, <laughs> indefinite hiatus. Uh, and for those that are in the chat, um, if you're not familiar with Jamie McKelvey, um, Jamie does a lot of really great books, and um, Jamie's design was actually what the movie suits for Captain Marvel were based off, which was really cool when I started seeing that doing the rounds when the first photo started to come out. I was like, oh, cool, that's that's really good recognition. Um, that And I like a good design that they chose to base it off. Yeah, I think his his like his designs for costumes and characters and comics... Even in just like like the Wicked and the Divine Two, where it's like not very, it's not you know, a superhero book. Like, um, the characters just like, especially like in their like pop star outfits and mm, stuff. Look yeah, they've got super wonderful. <laughs> yeah, they've got such cool looks, and I mean, uh, you especially see it with bloody uh Woden and his Valkyries and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sort of Daft Punk inspired but super synthwave neon look was just really striking immediately. You know, obviously Woden turns out to be kind of a shitbag, but... <laughs> well, they all do to a certain extent. So. It, it's true. It's true. I honestly can't decide who exactly was the, the worst of them, but Woden's definitely up there. <laughs> <laughs> and um I, I thought it was really interesting how they brought us straight into this ritual here essentially you know there's the skulls of each of the the gods that have already been killed and mm -hmm. she leaves the remaining four here to just take themselves out and i, I actually also really appreciated the um uh, fact that Suzanu was, you know, one of the chosen. Yeah, they they didn't choose just your straight up most popular, like Norse, and Celtic gods that people already know through mainstream comics and you know supernatural TV shows and and stuff like that. It was nice to see a few lesser known mythological entities chosen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's. Um... There's a lot of, there's definitely like, um, more popular ones that exist within this world, but there's a lot that I feel like, like, unfamiliar with the god, it's kind of interesting to be introduced to them through this. 
Um, like there's so many that I've I'd never heard about before, you know. Yeah, I I didn't know all of them, but when I was you know obviously being an ADHD you know ten year old eleven year old, I <laughs> absorbed every mythology book I could get my hands on at the school library. Yeah. So a lot of these names are like. I can't remember who you are, but I recognize that name, and that's really exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. I think it's it's interesting because then it's like the gods that you're very familiar with, like someone like, for instance, it's just like completely different character, where it's just like, oh, she's she's a little girl, <laughs> so yeah. it's just it's so it's so interesting to like. It makes me wonder how close the gods that I'm unaware of, like how close they are to that actual mythology. Yeah, right. And and Minerva appears. Uh, actually, has how long has it been? Yes, it's already been ten minutes. So if you care about spoilers, um, you might want to bugger off, read the comic, and come back and watch the YouTube video. Um, otherwise, keep watching because we're going to talk about this book and whatever stuff we know. Um, and you might get spoilers, so just be prepared for that. Um, I, I really like how Minerva, both in this incarnation and in the future incarnation, turned out to be a little girl as well. Like, <laughs> the, the youngest out of the entire pantheon. Mm -hmm. And But, you know, even both times, it was apparently unusual for her to manifest in such a young child. Yeah, it's it's interesting for sure because she definitely feels like, you know, she's the goddess of wisdom and everything like that. She yeah. definitely feels like, like, she seems like she's freaking out a lot of the time, but she also definitely seems like she's the most <laughs> well-rounded out of all of them. Right. Yeah. Like she's she has like natural, you know, tween, high emotions, sort of reactions to things. But at the same time, you know, will instantly turn around and have that weird, wise beyond their years, possessed little girl horror movie vibe. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, is really freaky. And I, I love that they, they work that in there as well. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting with, um, the, you know, obviously this main character's story, how she eventually turned out to be one of the gods she thought she was just a fangirl mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah because she she though from the beginning of the story she was just like oh yeah the page that you just uh went by where she was in the bathroom where it's just like she just wants to be a god she's trying to dress like them and she's trying to like to act like them and she's not able to like fool herself so it's really interesting that like she ends up being one, and it's it just completely changes her as a person, right? And and yeah, and I also like that the way they did it with that you know the first god she really interacts with is um, Lucifer, obviously, and then it turns out that she's Persephone. Of that, <laughs> I thought that was. I don't know. It's very clever. Yeah, I I really like that. Um, be, and because they chose Lucifer instead of Hades, 
I didn't immediately connect those dots because I was not focusing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I was like, oh, wait, yeah. God of Hell, the Underworld. Okay, yeah, that tracks. That's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's something interesting about this, too, is, like, I think they have like one or two gods from like similar pantheons like you know like persephone and like um and minerva and stuff like that but it was interesting to me is that they don't repeat the same gods so like yeah uh yeah if you have like someone like lucifer versus someone like hades like they don't they don't have the same like representations of gods like they don't have um I'm not sure how to say his name. Uh, uh, Ball? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, they wouldn't have him and, like, Thor, basically, together. I feel yeah. Like, because they're both, like, weather lightning gods. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they do have uh, Woden, and... Ah, oh, I can't remember... Um, have you discovered... Are you far enough through it that you've discovered where Woden's powers truly come from yet? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I can't remember who that was revealed to be, um, deity-wise. I can't remember either. I just remember reading that part. Yeah, I remember, like, turning the page on that and I was like, what the f... Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, like you said, usually they don't have two that closely from the same pantheon. Like, I mean, in this pantheon here, we do have Minerva, Persephone, and Cassandra. Mm-hmm. But they're not, like, super closely related in the mythology, so it's not too unusual. And I did like how, you know, in the previous pantheon we had Susanu, whereas now we have his older sister instead. Mm. So we still have a fire-slash-sun god from the Japanese pantheon, but it's big sister-little brother swap. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a really cool touch as well. I, I love how they all just perform their miracles just by clicking. <laughs> yeah, it feels, it feels very, like, um... Oh, it just feels like very like, like TV trope, but in a good way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like where it's, <laughs> it's like it's like fun and a little cheesy, but like, like, in a way that doesn't seem annoying. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really entertaining. Um, and I I really liked the design for this iteration of Lucifer as well. Oh, me too. Yeah. I love, oh. um, like, her her backstory where she was kind of, like, I think, like, she had a completely different personality and style to her. She was, like, a like a Midwesterner farmer, I believe. Yeah. And then, like, she just turns around and becomes <laughs> this very, like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. I guess, like, an alt sort of looking person. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. Yeah, no, I, I really liked it. It's And, like, I've got strong... Now, like, Tom Ellis's Lu- Lucifer gives me strong vibes from this Lucifer as well. 
Like, I feel like if there was ever a crossover, they'd probably get along really well. <laughs> but I, I, I yeah. really dug that they went with the, the blonde, white-suited, you know, the, the Lightbringer look instead of just making Lucifer a, a gothy punk or something. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, you know, a lot of people sort of do that with their devil incarnate sort of characters and just make them very spiky and wearing all black or red and super, super, super alt. But they went with that more Bowie-esque light and fun. And like, of course they would. Like, they call Lucifer the Prince of Lies, but... He's supposed to be able to, you know, convince people and tempt them and get them to do what he wants. So why the hell wouldn't she be a very appealing, charismatic figure instead of a scary one? Yeah. I've always thought that. And which is what I liked with the Lucifer TV show. You know, he is that handsome, charismatic guy, but he's got the devil face as well. But he can reveal that at will, so he can be scary when he wants to be. But of course he's going to have a look that appeals to people. How else is he going to make get convince them to sell his their souls to him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I I think Lucifer probably has one of my favorite designs from the book. Yeah, it's very it's very simple, but it's super straightforward, and I don't know. It's very appealing. It is. I liked Bust's look as well. Oh, me too. Yeah. I mean, they've all got fantastic designs, to be honest. Like, they're all really interesting. <laughs> they do. Yeah, I keep, like, thinking, like, maybe this is my favorite one. <laughs> and then I keep going back and <laughs> forth because there's so many, I know. so many good looks. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I love how... A few of these people, like here, um, this reporter, this is the the one that turns out to be Cassandra, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like the, the, there are so many people that turn out to be gods and don't realize yet. Yeah, and I I found out I found it really funny that well, well not funny but interesting that this person who is so skeptical and kind of resentful of them ended up being one <laughs> but i think that was that was one of my favorite parts of the book yeah and she just seemed so frustrated and exasperated by that realization and discovery <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do like how, you know, throughout the book, of course, you know, she still maintains this attitude of who she is and just doesn't have time for the other gods' bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... She seems, like, um a lot less, like, uh, scheming and, yeah. like, you know, manipulative or anything like that. She's just, like... She's very straightforward and, and very, like, upfront. Yeah, right? She'll just tell you straight away what she thinks of the situation and what she thinks of the dumb shit you just told. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. I was just sort of re-familiarizing myself with this scene, and I remember, thought that was a, a good gag as well. With the um the laser pointer the laser pointer in Sarkmet. Uh, but then, you know, immediately turning this comedic moment around and it turns out that there's someone trying to fucking kill them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love the... I'm looking at the page just too, and I, just, I love the action. It's so... Like, like as a comic book artist, like, I feel like action's, like, the hardest thing for me to draw. Oh, tell me about it's it. It's just so... Tell me about it. Jesus. Clear and readable. <laughs> it is. It, and for me, like... The thing I've struggled with for years, which I'm finally starting to get a bit more of a grasp on as I relax and just start drawing shit that I'm not used to drawing, is, mm -hmm. like, getting an action pose, but having it not look static. Like, the pose is really dynamic, yeah. but on the page, it doesn't look like it has the energy. And I, That's my biggest problem, yeah. I always appreciate when someone draws a pose like that and it actually does look really dynamic. It doesn't look frozen in place. It, it's super hard because it's... I There's something about just drawing, even like um, expressive faces sometimes too, it's when you draw it, it's like, it's one thing like getting it accurate and correct and then like keeping the energy with it and making yeah. it look... Right? Like, you've got to capture... Like it's actually moving. Exactly. Yeah. You have to capture that energy in a single frame. And it's mm -hmm. it can be really hard to maintain that. Yeah, absolutely. I love this frame with Lucy standing in the window, too. Oh, yeah, it's very... Oh, it's so good. It's... It's like the whole, there's a lot going on on the page with the first panel and everything, but it's like your eye is still completely drawn to it. It's, yeah. It's a very, it's a very good moment. Right. And it's, it's immediately an, oh, they're fucked. <laughs> you can, she, she's just standing there, but you know that those guys are about to get minced. You can just feel it. I also love the barefoot part of Lucy's design. I forgot about that until this scene. Mm -hmm. um, it gives me very strong... Uh, hang on, let me remember the name. I have forgotten the actor's name right now. What's his name? Especially because they keep doing a lot of um, symbolism with like broken glass. Yeah. With, uh, Lucifer. It's, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah, Peter Stormare in Constantine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get a strong vibes of that where he descends from the roof barefoot and just walks through across the all the glass and bullshit on the floor. <laughs> and so I, I was really appreciated that look. Um, I like whether or not they were inspired by Peter Stormare's Lucifer. I just really appreciate that design for Lucifer. I've always mm -hmm. liked that barefoot, but super well-dressed and presented sort of look. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's very good contrast. Yeah, it's... 
Or is so good. <laughs> it's very like I feel like if you were trying to like read a comic for the first time, um his art is super easy to follow and it's I know that sounds kinda weird to say, but like it's still detailed and everything too, so I feel like it's very enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. And there's just like this display of sheer unabashed power from Lucifer as well. It was just really cool and set Lucifer up as my favorite fucking character. And then, as you know, fucking gone. Like an issue or two later. Well, yeah, it's just it's so interesting because, you know. Lucifer is like, compared to like the entire series, like Lucifer's in this for a very short amount of time, um, and it's like she's still considered like one of everyone's favorites and like one of the main characters of the book. Yeah, so it's very it's very interesting. And then that's it. Like her actions in this first issue set the tone and set events in motion. For the rest of the damn story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I thought that was really cool how they, how strongly they set that up in one issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's really cool. I think a lot of the actions, like a lot of the story, like focuses on Lucifer and Laura. Yeah. For the first part of it, but it's it's very like they just get to know not only the character in a super short amount of time, but also like like you said, it sets up the rest of the the consequences for the book. Um it's very it's a very well done character. <laughs> it's it, so nice. Yeah, it really is. And this page is friggin' inc incredible. Like the the color choices and everything in this explosion of face. <laughs> yeah, I love this. It's like, it's. I'm not sure if I remember this right, but it feels like the same effects that happens when the gods are like performing too, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I can't remember exactly if that's correct. But yeah, I I love when comics change the style a little bit of the art for like gore or like horror stuff too yeah it's really cool and and this, like i it's, it's it too like the technicolor technicolor horror is one of my favorite things in comics too mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to always be drab reds and browns and whites to get the the feeling across of something gruesome and graphic and horrible happening. Like, yeah. That, to me, works way better than if they rendered it in realistic colors. Yeah. I think for someone like me, like, I don't like gore <laughs> at all. So it's like a lot. It's still very impactful, but it's still super readable for someone like me, where it's like. Um. You know, it's very graphic, but it's not disgusting, if that it, makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's that's what I like, because you don't have to go for the gross out with the gore. You know, like, so yeah, something can be gory, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a gross out. Mm -hmm. It can just be graphic and impactful. 
And I really appreciated how they did that in this book. Like, yeah, there's blood everywhere. But I'm not immediately repulsed by it, but I am like, oh shit, that guy's head just exploded. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like, what what a spot to, to finish that issue on with this, you know, like... It's Lucifer. Like, is she... Did she do it? Or... Is she telling the truth here, you know? You don't really know what to believe, but her reaction seems genuine. Yeah. But she is also the incarnation of the devil, so... <laughs> and it just really sort of set up, like you said, the next cascade of crazy stuff that happens. And the thing I'm really digging at the moment, looking back through it, is um, just the efficiency of the line work that uh, Jamie uses in this book. I am always super jealous of people that can convey so much detail with very minimal line. <laughs> yeah, he's... he's That's one of my favorite... Um, like, one of the themes I look for like when I see line art um, it's just like people that can really clearly define form without mm. color it's it's very it's very impressive <laughs> like there's a lot of the time where like even the page on your own it's like you can kind of see the 3D space around like her figure and stuff like that and it doesn't feel flat at all even though it's salt shaded and line art and stuff yeah, exactly, and that's it, and that's where I'm, I'm looking at it now, and like, even the, the the line waiting is very gentle throughout this whole page. Like, there, I can see so many places that if I was drawing it, I would have put in so much uh, more of a heavier line weight, because I just don't know how to render this efficiently <laughs> yet. <laughs> and I'd love to get there one day. And I'm aiming for it, but it's just like, yep, uh, it just it's the lines are so thin and crisp and clean, but especially when combined with uh, the coloring for this book, it just it's perfect. Yeah, I feel yeah, like the sorry colors the colors for the book is um, Matt Wilson. Right? Yeah, yeah. Matt's done a great he's job. He's wonderful. Yeah, he's a wonderful artist. Um, yeah. I, especially as, um, you know, as the book goes on and we get more and more of the gods in their performance outfits and stuff like that, the the work that he does rendering all of those and the scenes where he chooses to use screen tones and stuff, just yeah, like love the, it. Yeah, the head exploding. Yeah. It's... I love it. Yeah, and the I wish I had another issue lined up ready to flick through because there's just so much to look at <laughs> that's just fantastic. But also like these panels here, you know, where Lucy is almost just in a void talking. But it mm -hmm. just it works. It looks so good and Lucy stands out against the backgrounds and 
Yeah. It's, yeah, because if, I mean, if you look at it, like, it's essentially, it's very simple, like, on that page, there's, there's two backgrounds that he actually drew in, and then the rest is, like, um, like a blank white wall, so yeah. it's, like, and it's, it's, like, implying a lot more than there actually is, so it makes it, you know, easy to read. Yeah, exactly. It's very nice. Oh, yeah, okay. I uh, I really liked it, especially when they had um. They had like an issue with guest artists. Oh yeah, I, I uh, kind of remember that. That was that was really nice. There was a lot of different ranges of styles, but it's just it was really. I think it also had a bunch of different short stories, um, which he with each of the gods. So that mm. was really interesting to see. Yeah, no, I remember that one. I can't remember the stories, but I remember enjoying that issue. And... Yeah, I remember I really liked um, Tara's story from that, mm. I think. Because they kept, like, the whole time they kept, like, uh, like implying her. I think it was her, unless it was, um, it was either her or, oh man, what's her name? Ayana? I think it was Ayana, probably, but... I think they kept saying that everyone hated her. <laughs> and then the story was about people hating her online. And it was about just, like, you didn't see this character beforehand. And she's just, she's this really genuine character that people just don't like because she's very pretty. <laughs> so it's it was kind of interesting to see. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing a few people complaining about her online. I'm like, what? <laughs> I just I oh to... I loved it yeah yeah I had to come back to this page because two things in particular I make this page one of my favorites is the way that Matt's rendered the light in both the top page and the scene where that's it's like blinding the assassins and the textures that is used to separate the foreground from the background and like the the texture of the light with the radiating lines behind Lucy just really adds another dimension. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, he could have chosen it's... to just go with the glow. But he added those those radiating lines and it just lifts it even more. Yeah, I think one of the things... It's, it's just, like, you can tell with his colours, like, he he knows what he's doing completely. He's very practiced and he knows a bunch of different lighting situations. So it's like, if I were to try to do something like this, where I would, you know, try to light a comic, I think I, I would just try to do with what I know best, which is not, not as, <laughs> not nearly as like big of a range of scope of like different techniques. So oh, it's just yeah. like, he's very easily like, like the backlight for this is going to create the best mood and the um there was called like she's she's in shadow mostly but mm. it's just it's like i would never think of that <laughs> you know yeah, what i yeah. mean it's like i'm trying to figure out what to say but it's just like he no, just know he knows what, what he's doing completely. she's mostly rim lit because of the light reflecting mm -hmm. from sort of behind and around in the room but she's out in the dark yeah, it's, it's so good. It's just, 
Yes, and like what they can bring to the table can definitely change the mood and like the overall style of a comic, really. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking even closer. I'm noticing more. Like, there's a bit of the light flare crossing over Lucy's thighs just above the knees as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't have thought to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really great. Oh, it's so great. Like, I keep looking at this panel. It's like the framing on the wall is like, it's like framing her face. And it's just like, it's very symmetrical. Mm. But it's... It's so cool. It's such a good job. It, and it's just like, I keep thinking about it, it's like, he probably drew this, like, within a day. Like, he he just did this and moved on. Right? Like, yeah, no, this, this page would take me forever. I am, I am not, this is one of the things that I am so jealous of of so many of my peers, because I'm only at the start of my comics journey, is the mm -hmm. speed at which they can frigging work. I see people yeah. talking about churning out an entire page of pencils in a day, and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's like three yeah, weeks' work for me. How did you do that? It's it's difficult, too, with comics, because I, like, I feel like a lot of different, you know, people treat comics as something that's done very fast, and it's just mm. like, this is... You're you're getting someone to draw like six different pictures on a page in a day. Right? It's a lot of right? work. Like I've got a I've got a yeah. practice comic I'm working on at the moment that I've been working on unfortunately for two years because it's not something <laughs> that I'm doing for pay, so it has to keep getting put down in favor of work that I can get paid for, and I just can't imagine having finished it in a month like. Pencils, colors, inks, everything. I can't imagine it. Mm -hmm. And it's only three friggin' pages. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely, like... I feel like it's, for me at least, it gets easier after you... Like, I remember, like, The Wilds was my first comic, so, like, working on that... And, like, I just remember the first issue just kicked my ass. <laughs> like, it was... I was working so much every day, like, just to try to get it done. And yeah. I think after the second issue, it got monumentally easier. And then each issue after that, it just got easier and easier until I was able to do, you know, like an issue a month. Yeah, no, I get but that. It's still, um, yeah. I, I did a page for that Project Stylist Daydream anthology, and I think if I actually condense the time I spent working on it, it was maybe three days. Mm -hmm. Maybe four, okay, that's, totally. That's not bad, yeah. Because it was just black and white. It was like, I did rough pencils, then I did the black inks and added some screen tones. So I don't think all up I spent more than a full week. Three days to a week, somewhere in there, I can't really remember max on that, that page. And I drew the pencils traditionally and then inked it digitally. Um, mm -hmm. And it was my first time like learning how to use my new display pen tablet to do the inking and experimenting with new brushes for Clip Studio and my first time doing like full screen tone work and stuff like that so it was a lot of learning curves involved yeah but yeah it's it's definitely comics are like i feel a lot of people get discouraged when they first start them but it's just it gets it gets easier and easier yeah and that's it you, i've just got to do more my my issue is though you know with my adhd and the fact that i like my gaming work so much as well i'm juggling so many different projects at a time which is why i'm kind of only doing <laughs> my own comics projects for now until I get that speed and practice because mm -hmm. I would hate to like 
take a gig on a comic for somebody else's deadline and then fuck it up <laughs> yeah yeah i <laughs> it's hard it's it's definitely like i've been um i've been considering doing um web comics recently and it's just the workload if you oh yeah like for those are just insane it's like yeah, 10 like, or 11 pages a week or something like that right like the amount so, of yeah. like the people that put a page up every day oh like, yeah how <laughs> it's it's definitely crazy like i i i'm always impressed by it it's it's interesting too because i feel like i've noticed um i've been drawing for about 10 years and i feel like i've noticed that um as time goes on i get faster and better mm. so it's like before when i would see people being able to post stuff that they were proud of like every every day or every week or anything like that on social media it's just it's how and it's just like now i'm trying to do it and it's like okay well i don't know i feel like you know that you do something over and over again you eventually just cut down on the time yeah exactly and that's it and like I can do a single pinup relatively quickly, but mm -hmm. sequentials is a whole different story. Mm -hmm. And and that's a that's a thing as well that I've noticed a lot of people are surprised by when they have a crack at it is that, yeah, like you you might be able to draw a super super detailed poster and draw it real quick. But drawing sequentials and thinking about each individual panel and camera angles and making sure that the story makes sense and reads and everything is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> I think like um it's it's definitely it's it's definitely like something I feel like everyone can do, but it's just like I feel like it's also something that you have to you have to be really interested in because I feel like yeah. I've heard some of my um some of my art friends that are interested in like biz dev or concept art like get art jobs for comics and because people like their style and, and I always worry it's like oh if you've if you've never made a comic before you might not like doing it like I love making comics but I've I it is a ton of work and it's like a ton it, of yeah it really is practice before you get somewhere that you're happy with yeah yeah and and, and that's it like I've, i did a few practice comics when i was younger um and then sort of didn't do anything comics related for a long time because i got sidelined by a different creative pursuit for a while and i learned a lot of skills from that but i kind of wish i hadn't done it because i got really rusty and i had to sort of mm. relearn it I was looking at yeah. some old drawings yesterday from back then before I started this other thing for a few years and I was like my work and style and proportions and stuff now is technically better than this but the understanding of anatomy and the dynamism in these pictures is so much better than what I'm doing now because I'm so out of practice. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, there were just a couple of you know practice sketches of martial arts and stuff, and I was like, that looks pretty good. The lighting is good. The dynamism is good. I can draw more detail and do faces better now, but I don't think I could draw something 
that dynamic and convincing right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just it's yeah. that whole thing of not doing it for so long and not like back then I had a sketchbook with me 24 seven and I was drawing literally every day. And then between the new pursuit and my ADHD, it got really hard to actually keep that up. And then I was like, oh, I wish I'd never stopped because now I'm finding it hard to start again. Well, I think that that might be it. Cause I, I feel like for, um, for me personally, like it, it's more of like, it can be more of like a confidence scene than actually mm. losing your skill level. Exactly. And that's, that's what I was saying to my partner yeah. last night is like, I can see the confidence I had here, not the skill, but the confidence. I wasn't afraid of stuffing it up and I was confident mm. that I'd at least be able to get the energy into this picture. Yeah. Cause it's like, I think that's, that's something that's actually been kind of like bogging me down recently is like, is like, I'll do something like, like I've been having this weird thing with faces recently where it's I'll have to look up reference for every mm. single face that I draw and it's just like it's just like I'm not allowing myself to just go in and just just do it and then allow yeah. it to to be whatever it is and allow it to be bad because it's like I think when you're like you said when you're doing it every single day and you're drawing every day like you build up this confidence like I did this yesterday so I can do it today you know mm-hmm. And if, and if you haven't done it in a while, it definitely... No, that's, that's exactly right. Because um, I, I yeah. find myself doing the same thing and looking up every single picture I do, I'm looking up reference for. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to get this done. I can't afford to have to redo it because I've got six other projects on the go right now. <laughs> and I'm not confident yeah. enough in my ability to get it right first time. So I need to do this reference. And that's sort of... is I'm still producing work that I'm proud of but not work that makes me confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was where I was really glad that I picked this up on Kickstarter last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Mike Hawthorne's book, the, the Drawing Cheat Codes. And it's been mm. so handy for me because unlike so many of the other anatomy books that I've got, like that have one drawing in like a page of text, explaining the drawing this is just like drawing in some dot point notes Mm. yeah i i love i love art books and art instruction like that like for me like i feel like um taking like classes is the best way for me to improve Mm. or like giving myself assignments because i just i just have a hard time reading something and then applying it to what i draw yeah like i have to do it over muscle memory exactly i i actually had got the pdf of this book and printed it out it's sitting on the floor beside me so that i can put it on the wall above my workstation here so that if i'm if i'm stuck mm-hmm. i will just be able to like look up and go oh that's how that's supposed to be shaped because mm-hmm. yeah yeah i find like reading the anatomy manuals and stuff does not work for me but having something just broken down into a couple of com- simple diagrams that I can then just doodle it onto the page while I'm working and go, oh yeah, okay, so I see how these shapes work now. And as soon as I got this book and got to use it for the first time, I created a pinup piece that I was more proud of than anything I'd drawn in three years before that. That's great, yeah. Because I'd been having a really hard time when I first started drawing, like, 
20 years ago. I learned drawing by still, you know, mimicking and referencing the cartoons that I was watching. And a lot of that at the time was anime, you know, Dragon Ball Z and mecha cartoons and stuff like that. So it took forever to try to break anime habits when I wanted to draw more Western style comic art. I hear that all the time. It's so interesting because I, I definitely grew up wanting to draw comics and um, like I would do the same thing. I would take a comic and I would copy a panel and I would try to practice that way. And it's, so it's like really interesting because I hear all the time that a lot of people who um, grew up with manga have a hard have a hard time adapting to different styles. Or like I hear a lot of art teachers specifically get upset by that. Mm. And it's just interesting to me because I feel like something like manga has it's so interesting like anime and manga have their own set of rules for <laughs> for anatomy and facial proportions. Right? And it's like it's only it's like clearly defined too. It's like yeah. its own and, and it's, that's what it's its own set of like rules. It's, it is it's weird. <laughs> it really is. And that's what made my work look really weird for so many years. Because I was drawing Western style bodies, but mm. sort of yeah. more anime inspired. It was it was a weird blend, and it didn't quite work. Like I wasn't drawing anime and manga proportioned heads, but the way they draw their noses, eyes, and mouths was what I was applying to my more comic style heads. And it was a weird blend, and it never quite worked. And it took forever <laughs> to break those habits. Because, like, the body stuff did not take very long for me to get used to and get into more comic-style proportions and, and stylistic choices. The faces, however, took years and years and years and years and years. And I feel like I only really unlocked it with that piece that I did from that book. Because the page I did, which the, inspired that piece, was a lot more sort of... It's a, it was a bit of a blend of at the, the manga and Western because it was for a comic that was late billed as the finale to a mecha anime that never existed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I yeah. feel like I finally sort of leveled up and unlocked it and it was the best face I've ever drawn. <laughs> and so now I'm just trying <laughs> to keep that going. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely like I I feel like every time I learn anything about art, like I just I open up like more things that I need to learn, and like mm. the better I get, like the worse no. I feel sometimes because it's like it's like I realize how much I don't actually know. And no, I, so I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's yeah yeah. It's, every time I get hard. a little yeah, bit better. It, it... <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been, like, studying a lot different, like, uh, levels of stylization. Because I, I mm. for myself, I can't really stick to one style. Like, I go back and forth between doing uh, cartoony stuff to semi-realistic. So yeah. it's, like, I've been trying to study, like, the different levels of, like, probably vary. And it's, it's mostly, from what I've noticed, just in the faces, like... The yeah. bodies relatively seem to stay the same unless you get to something that's very like 
um, chibi or like network cartoon or something yeah. like that. But um, yeah, like you're right. It's really in the detail and style of the face. Because mm -hmm. I've seen a, a, quite a few, like I've seen a few people even do like, like a couple of demonstrations of that where they'll take the exact same figure and just mm -hmm. remove a few lines and change the way they draw the face. And yeah. suddenly it's way more cartoony. And something like Jamie's style here is kind of where I'd like to eventually settle. I feel like it's a really happy medium in between that cartoony and then that hyper-realistic superhero style that's been getting popular over the last few years. Mm -hmm. I'm not yeah, a huge it's... fan of that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I definitely, like... It's, it's hard for me to, like... Because, like, this, is, it feels very very clearly defined but i think one of the problems i have with like my more semi-realistic styles is like if i don't catch myself it'll just drift more and more realistic until it gets too too much you know like yeah. so something something like this i feel like he very well defined like or like he very easily knows where his like stylization sits yeah yeah exactly so it's, and, and this is a this is a really nice level of stylization for me. Um, I wouldn't mm -hmm. want to go too much more cartoony, which is where my style is at right now. is a bit bit more cartoony than this, but also a lot of like the Marvel and DC comics at the moment are like at least half again in towards the the realism style and a lot more intricate detail in the facial features and all that sort of stuff that the very highly rendered stuff yeah and I'm, i don't prefer that for comics either yeah i find it hard to read like yeah me too it's it's interesting because it's like i think we were talking about before where it's like you can you can lay out a page and you can lay out the panels to be you know fast and like get through it quickly where it's like I've read like fully painted comics before and they look good. Um, like it's obviously like there's no question about whether there's skills there or not, but it's it's hard for me to read through because everything mm. feels stiff and it doesn't feel Exactly. Like if you can't like imagine the like the in betweens of like people moving through the panels, like it's really hard for me to get through. Yeah. I have a really hard time like you said, like reading those painted comics and the ones that are like they're not photorealistic, per se, but they are like a hyper-realistic rendering style. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like one level below photorealism. And like I said, it just, it feels really stiff. And I have a hard time getting into yeah. the story when that happens. And I, yeah, I think there's some interesting exceptions, like... Um, Alex Ross, for instance. Yeah, Alex Ross's like, stuff is really cool. Very, very close. To, yeah, it's very, very close to being like hyper realistic, but it does have a lot of energy to it. So it's like something yeah. like reading something like I think Kingdom Come is like I can get through that because yeah. it doesn't stuck. I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the difference is, but I had the same. I I can really dig Kingdom Come. But there are a lot of other books, which I can't think of an example right now, um, which have that highly rendered, super detailed 
Like you can see the reflection in the eyeballs painting style. And I just, that just freezes me. I have to reread the page like three or four times. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I, I always, I always love like trying to figure this stuff out and trying to figure out all the different ways that you can stylize comics or just art in general. And then the different ways, like some things work better than others because there's like, there's something like, you know, like Wicked and Divine, and then if you have something completely cartoony on the other side, like, um, I have one that's popular off the top of my head, but something like Bandette or something like that, which yeah. is super cartoony, it's like, not one's not better than the other, it's just different Yeah, it's just different. Approaches. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And like, uh, I Hate Fairyland mm. um, is very cartoony. It's a really good read. Yeah. Yeah, so like it's not cartoony versus realism isn't one better than the other. They all have their place. But some just work better for other people's reading styles and enjoyment. Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you someone whose sort of cartoony style I really, really, really admire and am very envious of is Rose Stein. Um, from oh, yeah. Crowded. <laughs> I had Ted and Ro yeah, on Ro season one of the show, and they had me read Witch Hat Atelier for the episode. Oh, that, that's a good book, yeah. That book is fantastic. It's one of the first books in the last decade that have made me laugh out loud, and not because of the story, because of how frigging clever the panels were. There was, there was just yeah. one panel in particular, the way that they edged it and framed it and had the figures interact with the edge of the frame. And I just turned the page and looked at it and I just started laughing because I was like, that's amazing. But I love Rose's style and then combined with Ted's inking style as well. Yeah. Yeah, they I'm... are they're wonderful. I think it's, it's, so, it's so interesting because I just looked it up and I'm looking at the pages um, again and it's just like it's it's so hard to tell how like how cartoony this actually is yeah because you the know facial what I mean? expressions are very like yeah they're very cartoony and pushed but like the actual proportions of the face are super are not super different than someone like jamie mckelvey exactly exactly so, that's what i mean like that's what i love yeah. about it like they're ability to push those cartoony exaggerated expressions and still keep this really nice proportioned comic book style that is mm -hmm. is end goals for me i would love to be able to draw even close to that energy not necessarily the same style as rogue but you know that that energy that ability with my own uh style sensibilities i would that's my end goal yeah, it's it's interesting too because I heard I've heard before with um with styles and with comics like something that's more cartoony is something that you see yourself in, whereas Ooh. something that's more realistic is you see other people in or you separate yourself um, yeah. from it. So it's 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 definitely there's like a lot. <laughs> I always I always try to like to like figure out and break it down as much as I can but there's so much to to learn from different stuff like this even if you stick to one 
to one style only. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. Like, I, I can't imagine myself trying to do too many different styles. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, just one with my ADHD. Like, that's a lot of, of plates to spin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do notice that, like, my when I design paper minis for D&D versus art that I'm drawing for comics and stuff like that, there is a distinct difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm... Yeah. I don't even know what exactly I... the difference is or how I chose to do it either. <laughs> yeah it's it's i mean it's different art styles for different purposes i think too mm. um like i <laughs> i i'm in a D game and when i started making my character i tried to develop a completely different style just to draw her <laughs> so and then i ended up using that for a lot of different things like commissions mm. i've been loving the D pieces you've been putting out yeah i'm I'm obsessed. <laughs> I I'm in a D&D group of completely just all artists and mm. like I think two of them are animation artists or like ex-animation artists so they draw super fast as well. So every time we have a D&D game, we have about lines between everyone of just the game <laughs> and it's it's very fun. Yeah, this is the same. Like every time I hear that Ro and Ted have just had a session of D and D, like for the next four days, there's like twenty new pieces of art from Ro. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very fun. It's it's uh, it's something special about it. Yeah, it, there really is, and actually, that's that's something that I've been hoping to work on for uh, probably next year now because my plate is very full. But I wanted to do an all comics creators streamed D and D game sometime soon. Oh, that's fun, yeah. I've got my regular D&D show that I do, but I've like it's fully booked up now. <laughs> I was hoping to get an all-comics creator team put together before I booked it all out, but it didn't quite work. But I'd love to mm-hmm. do that next year sometime with just all other creators. And just the, the way we all have to think about so many weird story things and stuff on the fly, it makes for an interesting experience. So I'd really like to see that play out in a streamed game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's super fun. I feel like there's this huge community on like Twitter and online of like D and D artists, or just like not even like people that work for professionally doing art for like Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. It's like more like just people that just love drawing their D and D characters. Um, it's really fun. It it's, really is. It's I've a got... really yeah. yeah, I've got a half-finished picture of my character sitting on my tablet next to me, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, like, because it's, like, I don't know, there's something, like, more personal about it. There really is. Um, it's, it's just something, you know, something special to do, to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting as well when I see, um other artists like swap characters and get you know they, they can already draw their own characters and then they swap characters with their mates so that they can do each other's and just seeing like the the <laughs> interesting different takes on them and stuff like that yeah it is it's funny because the group i was talking about that i played D with um you know like i was doing a lot of like cartoony like um 
lineless looking like Disney-ish styles for my character and then like like my other friends would try to draw her and they'd just be like how does how does her hair work is it like a braid or is it like bundled up and I'm just like, I don't know I just, <laughs> I just tried to figure out a good shape for that style and then yep. if it's a braid or if it's yeah and so it's like oh it's I feel like some of them actually have a hard time compared yeah. to someone something else I know exactly what you mean and it's, it's funny though because like I actually have done a finished piece of art of my character but it's weird because it was easier for me to teach myself how to learn a completely new augmented reality software for to do that than to finish the 2D piece of art I've got sitting on my tablet. Well, yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. It's like hard. It's, I feel like um, oh, it takes up that's not so the finished much energy. Version. Like this, this is the work-in-progress a... version of that art that I did, if it's shown up on the screen now. Yeah, there we go. So it was, it was so much easier for me to do this than to sit down and actually finish a drawing. I don't, I don't see anything, but maybe Twitch just hasn't refreshed. Oh, hang on. It might only be working on the... Oh, yes, yeah, oh. no, Twitch is on a delay, so yeah. It might only be visible mm. in the Google call right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's... I still don't think I can see it, but... Oh, that's strange. It's, sh it's showing up on my thing, but for some reason it's not updated yet. But anyway, yeah, I taught myself how to make an AR mask of my character in <laughs> the last two days. And so, because I'm, I'm playing this character next week in a streamed game for Jasper's Game Week. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. But I still haven't finished one pin-up sketch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I I feel like it's interesting because I I definitely feel like sometimes like doing something like a comic book page can be easier than like drawing a pin-up or cover. To me, at times, it's more work in a lot of ways. But like, it's just I feel like I feel like there's there's expectations for me, you know, to like yep. finish, like, like you should be doing finished pieces and you should be doing backgrounds and stuff like that. It's like, it's like I just would rather, <laughs> I just would rather do a page or like a character designer stuff. So it's, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I know it's, exactly what you mean. There's definitely different skill sets for everything. Yeah. Well, I think that's brought us pretty much to the end of, oh, just over the hour, which is great. Um, so. In terms of your own stuff, what have you got going on right now, or what is available that people can find and get of your work? Yeah, um, the Vane from Oni Press just had the trade paperback release. So that's out now. Um, I think The Wilds and Snapbush Hustle and my other books and stuff like that can yeah. just probably be found online or The Wilds is uh, up on Comixology, so that I will am definitely going to link that in the description for those of you watching on YouTube, because The Wilds is a phenomenal book, and you should go and get it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I... Other than that, I mean, you can just follow me online. I have a webcomic, but it hasn't been updated, and I don't know if I'm going to get back to it anytime soon. So, yeah... And Emily's 
uh, Twitter is in the chat press there, so you can follow Emily on Twitter to see what work is coming out. But, um, oh, the vein! Is that the one you mean? Mm-hmm. Yep, I have been digging the hell out of that. I just read the last issue oh. last week. <laughs> that um, was very fun to work on. Yeah, that was... Uh, there's a link in the chat for anyone watching right now. I'll link that in the YouTube description as well. Um, both of those books are really good, and you guys should go read them and keep an eye out for anything new that Emily's got coming out, because Emily does great work, and Emily's been working with some of my favourite uh, writing creators, so just keep an eye out. Thank you, yeah. And thank you very much for your time and for joining me. I know it's evening over there for you, so I really appreciate you coming to hang out after dinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no worries. Uh, and um, for everybody else in the chat, uh, please, if you can, follow the account, subscribe if you want to. Um, if you want to continue to support the show and my other shows, check out Patreon. If you're on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, and all that jazz. I've got to get in the habit of actually mentioning that in the show from now on. Um, I am completely working from the studio now and appreciate every little bit of support. So even if it's just sharing the episodes or liking and commenting on a video on YouTube, every little bit helps gain a bit more traction for the show. So in season three, I can come back with even more creators and talk about more comics and make more games for you guys to watch and play. So, this has been No Capes. I've been Sean Sunday. This has been Emily Pearson. Tune in next week for another episode. I can't remember who the guest is right now, but same time, same channel. And wait for Thursday night. This episode will be up on YouTube if you didn't catch all of it. So, bye for now, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. It's just a reminder that this is recorded as a video talk show originally, and as always, you can check the episodes out on YouTube if you want to see the art that we've talked about in this episode. If you'd like to support the show, especially with Season 3 coming up, consider subscribing to Patreon at $5 and up, or dropping a donation over at Ko-fi. Every little bit goes to support the show and help me make more comics for you to read. So if you'd like to check those out, the links are in the description. Until next time... Keep reading comics.